What's going on, Coastal Community Church? How you guys doing today? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're joining us today. Can you guys help me welcome everybody that's joining us online and at Lighthouse Point right now? So good to have you guys with us, man. We love being one church in multiple locations. And so uh, we are in a series that we started last week called uh, I Need a Miracle. And here's what I know is that a lot of us in life, we, we want miracles, we desire miracles, we need miracles. And we started this series, and actually we started this year with this idea that's based on every year I pray and I believe God for a word for our church. And this year, the word that God gave me as our overarching theme is the word health. And, and I believe that God wants us to be healthy. I believe that he's called us to be the healthiest church in South Florida. And if we're gonna be the healthiest church in South Florida, that means that we actually have to be the healthiest people in South Florida. That is not just a physical thing, but it's a physical, it's emotional, it's relational, it's financial, it's spiritually in our lives. And there's been a prayer that I've been praying for you every single day. It comes out of 3 John 2. And it says this, dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health. Everybody say good health. Good Come health. on, say good health. good health. And that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. And so I believe that if this is gonna be your best year ever, that means it's gonna be your best year spiritually. It's gonna go well with your soul. And so we're diving into this series and here's what I know, is that in life, you're only as healthy as the habits you have. Like, let me rewind that back because some of y'all need to hear that. You're only as healthy as your habits. And a lot of us, we have uphill hopes and we have downhill habits. And a lot of us, we're desiring some miraculous things from God and we want God to show up and we want him to do a miracle. But instead of us needing a miracle, what if this year we got some godly habits instilled and implanted in our life so that we wouldn't need a miracle, but we could be a walking miracle to everybody that encountered us. What if, what if we kind of changed the, the game here so that we actually had a life that could sustain the miracles that God wants to do inside of each and every single one of us. And so what I, I want to do in this series is I want us to look at the life of Jesus and see how Jesus lived because everywhere Jesus went, miracles followed. And we said this last week, and I think it's so true. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, then you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And a lot of us, we love the idea of how Jesus lived and the things that transpired around his life, but very few of us have actually adopted the life that he actually lived. And he lived a life where, where he actually slowed down, he got alone with God, he lived in community, and he was led by the Spirit of God all the time. And we said last week that, you know, if we're gonna, if we're gonna see a miracle, then we've gotta begin to slow down. And we, we dove into that and looked at what that looked like this week. Listen, church, if you want to experience a miracle, here's what you have to do. You have to get alone with God. You want to experience a miracle, get alone with God. You want to know what the secret sauce of your faith is? The success of your spiritual life will be this habit of getting alone with God. Let, let me kind of explain it to you. Uh, I, 
throughout my life, I've had this, this really, really bad habit when it comes to driving, and it's not my driving. I think my driving is excellent. My wife would disagree, but, but I had a tendency as I was growing up that, that when I was driving, I would allow my fuel gauge, and I would try to see how far I could get on as little gas as possible. Like when the fuel gauge would hit E, I would go, how many more miles do I have? Anybody else have that problem? Like you're kind of like redlining, keeping it on the edge all the time. So there's some people out there at Lighthouse Point. I know that there's some people over there because Shayla's there and every time I get in our car there's no gas and so uh and so I would do this and and I got to this point where I'd ran out of gas three or four times and I was like God I need you to deliver me of this and I thought I was doing so well in my life and I I had this old Jeep Wrangler and I was driving south at rush hour in the morning on Powerline Road when all of a sudden we came to this, I came to this stoplight and it turned red and I stopped there and as I'm sitting there idling, my, my, my Jeep just shuts off. And I think to myself instantaneously, like I ran out of gas again. Like I didn't even, I didn't look at my fuel gauge. I just assumed that my problem was my, the fact that I ran out of fuel. And I was like, God, I thought you delivered me of this. And I looked down at my fuel tank and it said half a tank. So immediately I go to, to crank my engine again and I crank it and it just turns over and it doesn't start. And so because it's rush hour in South Florida on power line going south, the light turns green and the encouragement in South Florida is so amazing. <laughs> People are honking their horns, trying to encourage me to move forward. They're, they're waving at me with a singular finger saying, hey, welcome to South Florida. Could you move a little bit faster? And let, let me just help somebody out there. Listen, your honking does not make me move faster. Like you're not helping anybody by getting upset at me. I'm upset that I'm stuck there, okay? So I'm just cranking away. I, people from church are waving at me as they're driving by. I'm like, thank you for your help. I eventually pull, push my, my Jeep over on the side of the road. I call up, uh, uh, you know, AAA. They take me to a mechanic shop. And, and when I get there, I, I tell the guy, like, hey, I think my fuel gauge is broken. That's what I tell him. I, I said, I think that I ran out of gas and my fuel gauge is saying that, like, you've got half a tank. It's like, that's because the Jeep works great otherwise. And uh, so they start diagnosing it. And he goes, nope, your, 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 your gas gauge is working fine. He said, actually, your fuel pump broke. And so, like, you have actually got plenty of gas. So the issue isn't with your resource. The issue is actually with the delivery system that told the resource where to go. Like, let me relate this to you when it comes to your spiritual life. The issue isn't that you don't have a direct connection with God. The issue is, is that the delivery system that connects you to God has not been working properly in your life or has been neglected in your life. And there are plenty of resources available. Just the line to get from here to heaven and heaven back down has not been connected very often. So therefore, there's no resources. I'm preaching way better with an illustration than you responded right now. I'm just letting you know that. That was a fantastic illustration. And here's what I want to do today. I want to help you get that delivery system that comes from being alone with God so that you can actually experience all that God has for your life. And so listen, if you feel tired, if you feel burned out, if you feel frustrated, if you feel like you can't get ahead in life, I want to encourage you today 
There is a delivery system called your personal walk with God that if you'll actually activate it on a daily basis in your life, you can connect to the God of the universe that will change everything in your life. And Jesus modeled this for us all of the time. In fact, in the prime of his ministry, when, when everybody would look at it and go, man, he's at the epitome of success. Everybody's pulling for him, wanting a piece of him. And his ministry is spreading like the word of it is going everywhere. This is what it says in Luke chapter 15, or chapter 5, verse 15. It says, yet the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Now, now introverts understand this. Where are all my introverts at? Not a single sound in the room as the introverts all identify themselves. Where are all my extroverts at? Extroverts? Yeah, yeah, extroverts always make noise. I don't understand that. And, and, and here's the thing, I, I'm naturally an introvert. I know some of you guys are not gonna believe that, but every introvert that is out there, because when we get around people, we're like, when are people going to get away from us? Like, we'll, we'll invite people over to our house for like Thanksgiving or something, and three hours will go by, and I'll lean over to Shayla, and I'll be like, are they ever gonna leave? Like, I'm peopled out. Like, what do we have to say to get them to leave our house now so I can go into the corner and suck my thumb and recover? Some people tonight out at Super Bowl parties, that's what they're going to be thinking of their house too. Are these people ever going to leave? And, and, but, but, like, because why? Because introverts, they need time by themselves. And so it's naturally to think of like, oh, you know what? Jesus must have been an introvert. And therefore he's like, oh man, all these people are gathered around. He needs time to himself. But that's not why Jesus was getting away. He was getting away because he knew the power of getting alone with his heavenly father. And I want you to understand this so you don't make this an introvert, extrovert thing, but you understand what this principle that he's trying to teach us is all about. He's trying to teach us the power of getting alone with God. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, very early in the morning. All my morning people, they love this verse. All the people that like to sleep in, they're like, I want to cross this verse out of the Bible right here. It's like not a verse for me. It says, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went to a solitary place where he prayed. What you see here is Jesus creating a rhythm and a lifestyle of prayer that was so necessary to his life. And, and so many of us honestly have overcomplicated this idea of prayer. So many people struggle with prayer, like what do I do, what do I say? Do I have to speak in King James in order to, to connect with God? So let me help you out with prayer. Prayer is simply communication. It's I'm gonna talk to God and God is gonna simply talk to God. Me. And so many people think I have to have a degree or I have to have some sort of training to, to pray. No, no, no. You just, you just need to do it. And here's why that's important because communication always equals relationship. 
The more communication you have, the better relationship you have. And without communication, you don't really have a relationship because the healthier the communication, the healthier the relationship. In fact, I would talk to people that were doing premarital counseling a long time ago when I actually used to do premarital counseling and I would sit down with them and I would tell them a lot of reasons why people's marriages fail. They, they fail because of finances. They, they, they fail because of family issues. They fail because of sex. And, and, and really, those are, those are things that maybe they fail by, but the number one reason why relationships fail and why marriages fail is because couples can't communicate and they can't communicate about finances. They can't communicate about sex. They can't communicate about their family. They can't communicate about all the other things and, and people don't communicate. And so you have to learn how to communicate. And here's why that's important specifically when it comes to your relationship with God, because you don't have a relationship with God without prayer. Like it's impossible to have a relationship with God without prayer. You might have some sort of religious experience. You might have some ritual in your life, but you're never gonna have a relationship with God without prayer being in your life. And so I wanna help you establish this idea that you need to make prayer a regular practice in your life. And here's why. Because the deepest relationships might start in public, but they're truly built in private. Like think about the deepest relationships in your life. Think about your best friend. Maybe you met them here serving on a dream team here at Coastal. And, and so you established a relationship with a group of people. But the way that they became your best friend isn't because of the things you did in groups of people. It's the conversations you had in private. That's what built the depth and the meaning and the significance of that relationship in your life. So the greatest relationships aren't always public. They always have these private moments. And so let me take two extremes here and explain to you like this. Imagine, now Shayla and I have a great relationship. I'm just going to say that out there as a caveat. But, but let me explain it like this. Imagine that, that when I'm here at church with Shayla, who is my wife, if you don't know, my wife's name is Shayla, so it's not just some random person I'm picking. But I, <laughs> uh, I imagine I'm here with Shayla and that every time we're together, I'm holding her hand here at church. I, I, I'm putting my arm around her. I'm giving her a kiss on the cheek. I, 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 I'm, I'm saying very loving and very nice and very kind things. I'm, I'm making sure everybody knows that, that she is my boo and like we're together and, and, and like I love her with all of my heart. But the moment that we get home, I'm sitting on the couch getting ready to watch the Super Bowl and she comes over and sits next to me and grabs my hand and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? We do that in public. We don't do that at home. In fact, you need to go to your side of the house and I'll stay on my side of the house. How many of y'all know that that is not a healthy relationship? Okay, some of you guys don't know that. That is not a healthy relationship. If you're in that relationship, that's not healthy, okay? I'm just giving you some forewarning. And then on the flip side of that, Imagine we're at home and at home, I, I'm, I'm sitting next to her, I caress her hair, I kiss her on the cheek, I tell her all these amazing things about her and I'm so kind and I'm so gentle and so loving with her. But the moment that we come into church and, and she comes up and, and she puts her arm around me, I'm like, whoa, 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 that's what we do in private. We don't do that in public. Like how unhealthy would that relationship be as well? When it comes to our relationship with God, 
So many people fall into one of those two spectrums. Where publicly, they come into church and they're like, oh, Jesus, I love you. I worship you. You're amazing. But then at home, they, they never say a word to him. Or the opposite, where at home, you're like, man, I've got a very private and personal relationship with God. But the moment that you work, walk into church, you're stoic and disconnected. Listen, both sides are super important. And can I encourage some people that no matter what spectrum you're on, like you've got to have both Ian Bounds, who's kind of the foremost expert on prayer. He says this, public prayers are of little value unless they are founded on or followed up by private praying. He's saying, listen, you've got to have both in your life. Like you can't be on one extreme or the other. It's not an either or, it's a both and. And Jesus activated this in his life. And let me show you a couple ways that he activated it. Jesus had a set time of prayer. He had a set time of prayer. And my question for you today is, is what is the appointment on your daily calendar that is set apart for God? Because here's what I know. Everything that gets in, that's important in life gets put on the schedule. Unimportant things are just whenever it fits. That's why none of us go to the gym. Because it's, we think it, we say it's important. <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to follow up with that. We got a calendar. For some of us, it's early in the morning. For some of us, it's late at night. For other people, it's during lunchtime. But like, what is that time that you have set apart for time with God? Jesus was very early in the morning. Here's what else he had. He had a set place of prayer. As we'll read here in a little bit, he would go to the Mount of Olives as he usually went. Why? Because it was his place of prayer. There's a place where you need to be able to go to get alone with God, to wrestle with God, to have some conversations with God, where there are no other distractions out there to keep you from the focus of what you need to be focused on in that moment. Jesus also had a set strategy of prayer. He didn't pray randomly. He actually gave us a strategy. And when the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. What did he do? He said, hey, here's a strategy. Here's the Lord's prayer. It's a strategy to teach us how to pray. And listen, there are a lot of strategies that are out there to pray. And, and I would love to be able to give them all to you over a weekend, but I don't have time for that. And so this week on our midweek podcast, if you want to, if you want to hear some other strategies of, pray, of prayer straight out of God's word, then, then listen to that. We'll give you some of those, but no matter what is your time, what is your place? What is your strategy? Here's my encouragement for you, Coastal Community Church. Make an appointment with God and keep it. Like this year, make an appointment with God on a daily basis and keep it. And make an appointment and watch how miracles will start to take place in your life. Like we just finished up a season of 21 days of prayer and fasting here as a church. And it, 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 was, 
It was amazing because almost every single day, we were doing early morning prayer here in, in our location, the same thing in Lighthouse Point. Every single day, somebody would walk up to me and go, Pastor TJ, you're never gonna believe this. A breakthrough that I was believing for, it's, it took place today. Like what God did, or God did this last night, or I, there were days that people would come up and go, TJ, you're not gonna believe this. I was miraculously healed. Like I had a lady walk in with a cane, with back braces, and she walked out running because God miraculously touched her life. I mean, we, we were seeing crazy things and, and everybody that was coming to me was shocked. They were shocked that God was doing this. And I thought to myself, why are you shocked? Could it be that there is a correlation between the breakthroughs that you're experiencing and the amount of time you're praying? Because breakthroughs in prayer and miracles in prayer, they go hand in hand. I wrote it down this way. When we pray on a regular, when we pray regularly, irregular things happen on a regular basis. When we pray regularly, irregular things happen on a regular basis. And I wanna encourage you, man, you wanna see some irregular things happen in your life? Start to pray regularly to the God of the universe. Get alone and spend some time with him and watch what will regularly happen in your life when you make that a priority in your life. And so today, what I wanna do is I wanna give you six reasons that Jesus would pull away and to pray. And here's what I know is that all of us, we're gonna have different seasons of our lives as to why we're praying and what maybe the, the, the focus of those prayers may be. And here are six different things that you'll see throughout scripture of, of seasons of focus where Jesus pulled away to pray. The first one is this, number one, is to prepare. Jesus pulled away to prepare because before Jesus ever did any ministry, before he ever healed anybody, before he ever cast out a demon, before he ever preached a message, the Bible says that Jesus goes to the Jordan River, he gets baptized, and you would think immediately he starts ministry, but that isn't what he does. Luke chapter four, verse one, it says, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And when he goes into the wilderness, he stays there for 40 days and 40 nights, and he prays and he fasts. And why was Jesus praying and fasting? Because he was preparing for what was to come. Verse 14 of Luke chapter four, it says, then Jesus returned from Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. So he experiences the praise and the platform before he ever experiences either one of those things. What came before it? Preparation. How did Jesus prepare? He prepared by praying. And a lot of you guys right now are in a season of preparation for a stage in your life. You're preparing for that job. You're preparing for that promotion. You're preparing for that marriage. You're preparing for those children. You're preparing for retirement. Don't waste your preparation season worrying. Take that season and prepare in prayer. Get alone with God and watch how God can do more behind the scenes when you prepare on your own with prayer than you could ever do by yourself. 
And I've just found that every time I'm in a season of prayer in my life, like God is always preparing me for something publicly. Like every time I'm in that season and I'm like, God, I'm just going after God in prayer. Like God is trying to move and transform and get me ready for what is gonna happen next. And I know that if I'm gonna see something publicly, that means I've gotta bathe that thing in prayer. Like people are always like, man, it must be so cool, TJ, to preach messages. Listen, this is not cool at all. Any one of you can get up here and do this. Like all you have to do is go to a public speaking class and you can get up here and you can talk to people all day long. The significance of what happens up here isn't me talking. The significance is how much time was spent in prayer, praying for this message, praying for you, praying for God's Holy Spirit to move in here because it's not any man's words. It's the power and the presence of God that changes things. And I've just lived by this idea that until you go to God on behalf of people, you should never be allowed to go to people on behalf of God. Come on, Lighthouse Point, you need to hear that again. Until you go to God on behalf of people, you should never be allowed to go to people on behalf of God. So parents, before you correct your children, pray. Before you take that meeting at work, boss, pray. Like, I don't have a right to preach to anybody until I pray for those people. So, like, I want to make it a point that before you make that decision that's going to affect all those people, you pray. Before you launch that business or that idea, pray. We've got to use our time with God to allow him to prepare in us for what is next. Number two. Jesus pulled away to recharge. Because I don't know if you've realized this or not, but the world is draining. It's exhausting. People will drain you like nothing else. And what did Jesus do in those moments? Mark chapter 6, verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going, they didn't even have a chance to eat. So basically, like, the apostles are blowing up. Like, they're getting traveling engagements. They're getting speaking engagements. And Jesus said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Church, don't always be so busy. Not every opportunity that is out there is actually a God opportunity. Sometimes you just need to to separate yourself and rest. But TJ, well, listen, listen, listen. I'm gonna work really, 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 really hard right now because I know the vacation's coming up. And here's what I know about that vacation. You're gonna go on it, and when you get home, you're gonna be even more exhausted than you were before it. Because going to an event does not give you rest. The only thing that gives you rest is God himself. He's the one who brings rest to our souls. Only God can recharge our internal battery. Only God can give us the things that we're called to get. And I've just learned that the best ministry, the best parenting, the best leading, the best decision making will always happen from a place of rest. It always happens from a place of rest. So if you feel tired, if you feel burned out, and listen, we all get to those places. Here's the solution. Get alone with God and allow him to build some rest. I can't tell you the number of times 
that I've walked into a space where I pray, where I've been beat up, I've been overwhelmed, I've been exhausted, I've been to a place where I just want to like throw in the towel and give up. And I walk in so dejected, and by the time I'm done praying, I walk out totally different. I walk out energized, I walk out inspired, I walk, I walk out ready to storm the gates of hell with a water gun. Like, I, it's, it's amazing to me. And it happens when we spend time with God. Find your rest in Him. Number three, the reason Jesus pulled away was to grieve. It's to grieve. Because what do you do when the unexpected happens? When you get the unexpected diagnosis? When your child has that issue? When you experience that loss, when you lose that job, when that person you thought you were going to spend the rest of your life with walks out on you. And we've all had seasons where it's just been heartbreaking, where we're literally heartbroken. And Jesus experienced the same thing we did. He was flesh and blood, just like us. His cousin, who he grew up with, and I would suspect, this is conjecture because it's not in Scripture, was probably his best friend as a child. His name was John the Baptist. The Bible says he was actually the forerunner or the foretelling of the Savior to come. He's out preaching a message about the Savior that's going to come, and he knows that it's his cousin Jesus. Because of the message that he is out there preaching, he ends up getting beheaded, murdered. And as the news is spreading from where he was to where Jesus is, you would think because Jesus is all-knowing and all-powerful, he's like God himself just in flesh, that like when the news gets to him, he's like, oh man, that stinks, but like I knew that was coming, so let's move on. But it isn't how Jesus reacts at all. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, it says, As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Why? Because in that moment of pain and heartbreak and loss, he knew he needed to be alone with his father. And I think that there's something that happens in those moments of grief where you just have to pull away and take some time to pray. And, and you got to be honest with God. you got to go, God, I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm confused. I don't understand. Like, God, what is going on? But I'm going to take my time and I'm going to bring it all to you. I'm going to lay it all out on the table, God, for you to, 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 to hear what it is. And let me remind you, church, time does not heal things. God does. Because so many of you are walking around and you got hurt or you got something heartbreaking happened to you 20 years ago and you just thought to yourself, you know what, time will heal this. And 20 years later, there's still a gaping wound in your life. Why? Because time does not heal things. Only God does that. It's time for some of us to actually bring that grief to God. Don't try to push the grief and the pain away. I, I would tell you to pray your pain to God. Man, don't, don't just ignore that pain, man. Bring that to the heavenly Father and watch how he'll begin to change you and transform you and heal your life. Why did Jesus pull away number four to seek wisdom? 
seek wisdom. Think about this. The most important decision Jesus was ever going to make. Jesus took a season to pray about it. Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it says, One day, soon after Jesus went up on a mountain to pray. And listen, he didn't go up on the mountain and, and pray some like little quick prayer. Good food, good meat, good God, let's eat. Like that wasn't the prayer that he prayed. Some of y'all are like, that's a prayer I pray with my children every day before dinner. No, no, no. Jesus, Jesus didn't go like, God, I'm going to pray. Where's the answer? Oh, there's no answer. I'm going to move on. It says, no, no. He prayed to God all night. And, and listen, there are just going to be some moments in your life that you are going to need an answer from God. And it's not going to be just, hey, God, what should I do? Oh, I didn't hear anything. I'm going to move on with my intellect or my intuition or my gut feeling. No, no, no. You're going to have to go, God, I'm going to travail. I'm going to pursue. I'm going to stay here all night long. God, I'm not going to leave this spot until you show up and you speak to me. I'm going to keep praying until you actually come here and give me an answer. And this is exactly what Jesus did. He spent the night praying to God. And then verse 13, at daybreak, he called together all the disciples and chose 12 among them to be the apostles. So the most important decision he's going to make here on earth. Like who is going to be his legacy? Like there is no success without a successor. So who are the people that I'm going to choose? Like out of all the people that are following me, here's the ones that I'm going to choose. And let me just be honest. The disciples that he chose are not the disciples I would ever have chosen. Like they were the worst choices of them all. You have Peter who's constantly sticking his foot in his mouth. Like you're not a great choice. You have Thomas is doubting all the time. Like I don't need that negativity in my organization, Thomas. Like I give me some people that got some faith, that got some belief, not doubting all that stuff. Like the only one that actually made sense was Judas. He was shrewd. He, would, he was cutthroat. Like he makes sense for an organization. But the rest of them, they all, they all stink. But he doesn't make a decision based on his intellect. What he goes, he goes, no, no, no. I need some wisdom from God that is beyond my comprehension, that is behind my, beyond my understanding. And God goes and chooses people that we would never choose. And let me just tell you something. When God starts speaking to you, a lot of times it's going to be an answer that you would never think of. And that you would never choose on yourself. But let me just tell you this. It's always, always, always the right decision. So before you do anything big, pray about it. Before you make that decision at work, pray about it. I'll never forget, I, I, I was 19 years old. I was living in Texas doing this inter internship, and I'd, I'd come back to, to my home, and I was spending some time on a break, uh, and, and, and I was getting ready to have all these people over the next day, and, and I was on the phone with my friend. Her name was Shayla at the time. Uh, we, just a strictly platonic relationship. We've known each other since we were 11 years old. Uh, a whole bunch of people were coming over to my house. I lived on Siesta Key. Uh, that's where I grew up in, in the Sarasota Bradenton area. And so we had this house right on the water with both sides. And we did a lot of activities and stuff. So I'm talking to her on the phone. And, and we're talking about what, 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 who's coming over. What are we going to do the next day? And uh, in the middle of the conversation, she says to me, Remember, we're just friends. Hey, TJ, God told me I'm going to marry you. <laughs> this is exactly what I did. I just, I just froze. And I was like, well, he didn't tell me that. Click. <laughs> I did tell her, well, he didn't tell me that. But what I said is, I said, let me take some time and pray. 
And I spent the next 45 days. And I prayed. And I fasted. And then I was like, let's do this, you know. It's like, <laughs> but like the most important decision in my life. Yeah. Who am I going to spend the rest of my life with? So many of us just go, well, I'm attracted to them. Well, they can get ugly really fast. <laughs> Come on. We all know that that's true. Like, look at me. Look at Shayla. Look at me. It's true. She's beautiful. I'm ugly. It works. Why? Because we just didn't go with what seemed good. We went with what. God said, and I'm not saying that's how it's going to work every time. But when you have major decisions, you better make sure you're praying about it. I wrote it down like this. Prayer is our steering wheel, not our spare tire. And so many of us, we treat our prayer life with God like, oh, I broke down. i got to go to the back and bring this thing out and put it on right now. And we wonder why it doesn't get us very far and we can't go very fast. But why? Because there's a limitation on the relationship when it, we just use it every once in a while. And then we put it back in the trunk when everything's good, right? And then we never address him again. No, no, no. What, he, what prayer is supposed to be is it's supposed to be leading and guiding and directing every decision we're making. Should I go to the left? Should I go to the right? Should I date that person? Did you pray about it? Should you build that business? Did you pray about it? Should I marry this person? Did you pray about it? Should I invest in that? Should, did you pray about it? Why? Because it's our steering wheel, not our spare tire. And God actually has some wisdom that he wants to give you because he's way more interested in your success and your future than you are. So why don't you give him a chance to speak into your life in these areas and he'll bring wisdom into your life that will absolutely blow your mind. Why did Jesus pull away number five to petition? Listen, there are going to be moments in your life that you need something. And, and, and I make a list of things, and I, I'm praying for it all the time. And part of this, the things is, I, man, I just go to God, and I pray for them. And I say, God, speak to me. Luke chapter 22, verse 39, it says, Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. Notice, as usual. It, it, it's, it's where he went to pray. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation, which is good wisdom right there. Like if you're dealing with temptation in your life and you're like, man, how do I overcome this temptation? It tells us right here, here's what you do. You pray about it. And prayer will help you overcome temptation. It says he walked away about a stone's throw and he knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. What a great way to pray. God, I have this burden. I have this concern. I have this care. Here it is, God. Let your will be done in this situation, which, by the way, is how I pray for my needs. Lord, I'm presenting this to you. Here's what's going on. Lord, have your way. And I think it's important that we remember that the Bible is very clear that we should always let our requests be known to God. Like, the reason we're not hearing a lot of things from God is because we're not actually bringing those things to God. And a lot of us think, well, God is all-knowing and all-powerful, but this is the other thing about God. God is a gentleman. He's not gonna go kick down the door of your house and go, hey, give me these things. I wanna take them and help you from them. No, no, he's waiting for us to open up the door and invite him in. That's what prayer is. It's an invitation for God to intervene in our situation. And so many times we're not having any intervention because we're not given an invitation. 
And so we need to start inviting him into those situations of our life and watch his will start to be done here on earth. And I wanna encourage you about bringing those requests to God. Man, there's so many times I have it on my iPhone, a list of things that I'm praying for. People talk to me about things, I'll write it down on my phone and I pray for them on a daily basis. And it's amazing to me that as I present those things to God, how God will answer them within a, an hour, how he'll answer them within a week. And some of those, honestly, they haven't been answered in years, but they're still on my list. And I don't understand that part, but you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna keep giving it to God. Because here's what I've learned about my life. That when I have a burden, when I have something that's heavy on my life, the moment that I go and I give that thing to God and I go, God, here's what I'm dealing with. Here's what's overwhelming to me. Here's what's burdening me. When I present that to God, all of a sudden the weight of that thing gets lifted off of me. I wrote it down like this. You can carry your needs or you can cast them. It's your choice. Jesus actually said, cast your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Like God actually cares about what you're going through and what you're dealing with and what's overwhelming and what's an obstacle in your life. Finally, Jesus pulled away number six. He pulled away to model relationship. He wanted to show us that this isn't about religion. This is about a relationship with God. See, Jesus had a genuine relationship with his father. And he wanted to model that there could be a connection to God so that we could know that we could be connected to him. That we could have a personal and an authentic and real relationship like God doesn't want to just know about you. He actually wants to know you. He wants to know you in a real way. I want you to look at this list of why we pray every day. We pray to prepare, to recharge, to grieve, to seek wisdom, to petition, to model relationship. People will say to me, TJ, I, I don't know about that religion stuff. And I'll go, I don't really know about religion either because I met with the God of the universe this morning. And I spoke to him. And he spoke to me. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. They're like, Jesus, like, teach us to do what, what you're doing with God the Father. Like, we've seen all the religious things played out. We've, we've watched the people that called themselves religious do rituals, but there's something different that you've got that we don't have. There's something more that's taking place than just what everybody else is doing. Because what Jesus was doing is he's modeling relationships. Parents, can I just encourage you? Your kids don't need more religion. 
They don't need more rules. You know what they need? They need a mom and a dad who models a relationship with the living God. Like when we struggle, we don't just struggle. We go to God and we go, God, I'm struggling. Like we grab hands as a family and we pray and go, God, would you intervene in this situation? Like when things are going good and we're thankful, we don't just go out to eat, man. We actually stop and we thank God for how good he's been to in our lives. Because we aren't a family that's full of religion. We're actually modeling for our children this incredible relationship with God that our kids are eventually going to follow. Because I've just learned you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. So you might have a lot of information, but who are you really? And Jesus modeled this incredible relationship with his father. He modeled it so that we would know that we could have a relationship with him. So many people think church is a ritual. And if you think church is a ritual, you've missed the point. There's a God that is real. And he actually doesn't just want you to go through the routines. He actually really wants to know you. Right where you are, right now with all of your hang-ups and all of your screw-ups and all of your mess-ups, In fact, he actually wants you to be real and bring those things to him. Like he doesn't want the fake Instagram version of you. He wants like the version of you when you wake up in the morning and your makeup's all, all over your face and the hair's all messed up and you've got stanky breath. That's the version he's looking for. Because when you get real, that's when God can help make it right. But it starts with you communicating with him and then listening back because he wants to communicate with you. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, I thank you that you're a God that wants to meet us right here, right now, right where we are. You didn't you didn't bring us here so that we could give some theory. You actually want to encounter us in this place. And so God, my prayer right now is that you would speak to us. Individually, right where we are at. God, we open up our heart, we open up our eyes, we open up our mind, we open up our ears. We say, God, we want more of you. God, I want to know you 
and I want you to know me. God, we invite you into our lives. How amazing is it that there is a God that loved us so much that while we were in the middle of our mess, that, that, that your original idea for us all was that it would be like Adam and Eve in the garden, that we would walk and talk with God in the cool of the day. But there was a sin that took place that separated us from you, God. And your entire mission on earth has been to, how do I restore the connection that was lost? And you said, I've got a way where there is no way. And you said, man, I'll give a sacrifice. The greatest gift that I could give of my one and only son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And here's what I know about every single one of us. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all screwed up. We've all messed up. We've all disconnected the line of communication to God. But it continues on. It says the gift of God is eternal life. God has an eternal gift that can reconnect us with him. And it begins with a simple yet significant prayer of surrendering our will and our way to God. It says that, that if we'll believe in our heart and confess with our lips that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved, that we can be reconnected to the creator of the universe. And maybe you're here today and you've heard a whole lot about religion and you've heard a whole lot about rules throughout your life, but you've never been connected in relationship. Here's your opportunity. Or maybe you heard about that, but you walked away and you disconnected that line and you need to come back to God here today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd ask you to make a simple yet significant faith move where you would say, you know what, God, I'm ready to surrender my will and my way to establish reconnection with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, if you just slip your hand up at the count of three, I'd love to pray with you. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip it up. Slip it up. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah. People, seven. Yes, ma'am, I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? Eight, thank you. If you just prayed this prayer in your heart as I prayed out loud, say, God, thank you for loving me so much, for, for seeing that there was a disconnect in our relationship that you so desired and I desire as well. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to pay the ultimate price on the cross of Calvary. I ask you to forgive me of my past, the sins, the mistakes, the screw-ups and the mess-ups. I ask you to come into my life, take over my life, not just to be my Savior, but to be my Lord, to lead, to guide, to direct me. God, I, I, I want to reconnect with you here. And God, as I connect, I ask you to fill me with your love and your joy and your peace and your patience and your goodness and your everlasting kindness. God, help me to experience all of you. Help me to experience your voice. God, I choose you. But I'm so thankful that you first chose me. God, I love you. Thank you for saving me. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.